Welcome to the Writer's Hour, where we have creative conversations with up-and-coming authors on their latest books. This is the place to be if you wish to get a preview of new books that are available for the voracious bibliophile, as well as the story behind the story for the voyeur who wishes a peek behind the creative curtain. Here's your host, Janine Bolin. Welcome to the Writer's Hour Creative Conversations. I'm Janine Bolin, and with me today is an author of not one, but two books. His name's Christopher Salem, and he happens to be an executive co- coach, corporate trainer, professional speaker. He works with companies, okay, very much a B2B kind of guy to help them with their work environment and help with that thriving culture. So many of us left corporate America or are in the process of walking out of corporate America because of the culture. And wonderful people like Chris are there trying to help C-suite mentors, business leaders, entrepreneurs, sales professionals to build and protect their brands and also increase the influence that they have with trusted advisors and maximize the results that they're getting. So this guy does it all. B2B, B2C, he's your guy. His book, Master Your Inner Critic, Resolve the Root Cause, Create Prosperity. With that book, he became an international bestseller in 2016. He's also co-authored in a recent edition, Mastering the Art of Success with Jack Canfield. So basically, this guy knows his way around how to go about writing as well as how to go about influencing others into a better life and marketing the work that he does. He has a weekly radio show, Sustainable Success. It's part of the Voice uh, America Influencers channel. And Chris is also accomplished in business as an influence strategist, award-winning author, certified mindset expert, radio show host, media personality, and wellness advocate. He works with organizations such as J.P. Morgan Chase, Ralph Lauren, Pratt Whitney, Raytheon, Microchip Technologies, the U.S. Census Bureau, the U.S. Senate, United Healthcare, Hubble Corporation, Foxwoods Casino and the NYPD Forensic Department. And that's where I come in. Since I'm a geek, you guys know me. I'm a scientist. Anytime somebody starts talking about forensics, I get excited. He also has not only just done corporate and government, but check this out. He's also had work with universities such as the University of Hartford, Westchester Community College, Bay Path University, Worcester State University, or is that Worcester in the United States? Worcester. Worcester. Thank you, dude. Because I went, oh, wait a minute. I'm doing that English thing again. (laughs) As well as Harvard University's faculty club. Chris is also a CEO and co-founder of the Empowered Fathers in Action which is a 501c3 organization dedicated to strengthening the father-son bonding process through a sustainable solution process to build future leaders in the home, communities, and business with a place of higher self-confidence and esteem. This process resolves the root cause of limiting beliefs for both parents and their children so that we don't repeat these cycles over and over again that lead us to dysfunction, miscommunications, problems within the family, yada, yada, yada. We've been through all of that, haven't we, Chris? You've just done it all, my man. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for being on the show today. Janine, it's such a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me today. What I really want to just kind of launch into is because you have so many different areas of expertise as well as working in many different areas, how on earth did you find time not only in 2016 to write your first book, but then to write your second book and, oh, 
happened to buddy up with Jack Canfield. So talk a little bit about how do you find time to write a book? Well, it, it comes down to a daily routine, uh, something I've been doing for over 22 years. And, you know, prior to this, I didn't have a routine and I really wasn't structured. <laughs> so I, I learned the opposite of everything I had lived up to at the, to the age of 30 years old. And uh, it was that daily routine that I developed over time, learning how to be more focused in the moment and be able to really maximize what I could do in, within my control in pockets of time. So focusing on those priorities that matter. So when it came to writing, because writing, I wouldn't consider to be my strong suit. It's not something, if you had to say, Chris, what is your superhero power? It would be speaking, you know, because I'm a speaker. I'm, I'm a radio show host. I'm very good, you know, in front of people. Uh, but, you know, I, but, but it, when, I, when I wrote the books, I had to be laser focused. I had to really be focused and knowing that during that time, what could I put, you know, from my head onto that paper? So it was having a routine and being really laser focused in those pockets of time in order to get those books done. Yes, I understand that. So, but kind of talk to us a little bit about how did you start that though? I mean, how did you know that you had to have any kind of a routine at all? I mean, where, no offense, where'd you pick that up? I mean, if it's not your, if it's not your strong suit, if it's not your superpower, where'd you pick that up? Well, I mean, it was due to the fact that at the time, this is going back 22 years ago, I just was not in a great place. I was struggling with anxiety. Um, I had ADHD. I really couldn't keep my thoughts organized. And, and, and as a, a result of it, I just had reached a turning point in my life. And it was just kind of that aha moment. And unfortunately, came at the, you know, when my father was dying uh, at the age of 56, uh, it was like the light bulb went off that I knew that I had to make changes in my life. That I had to take ownership in order to make these changes because I was struggling being in the past and the future in the way I, my thought process was. I wasn't in the moment and I didn't know what it was like to, to think in the moment. So I had to embrace a, a, a process that was foreign to me at the time that over time, as I did it through discipline and consistency became a routine. And that changed my whole way of thinking it changed me to be, you know, be disorganized, to be organized and to be laser focused in the moment. So these habits and disciplines came over time through consistency and thus led me down the path where I am today uh, that I wrote these books that that I've you know, have used as a way to help others do the same in their lives and their in their businesses. So I think discipline is a word that is my best friend, but it gets a bad rap. You know, I think we need a new PR department for the word discipline because when people hear that word, they immediately are taken to not good places in their brain. So if you don't mind, share with me a little bit about how you got over the negative influences that we've all had uh, regarding discipline and how did you make it your best friend? Well, at the time, you know, I was, yeah, I was dealing with this strong need to have validation from other people. That was my limiting belief. And that limiting belief was established in, during my child development years growing up because I didn't get it from my father. And this led me down a path of codependency. I grew up in a codependent home. And because of those codependent ways that led to me being a passive aggressive in terms of my behavior and communication. And as a result of that, this is what led me down 12 years of addiction as a result of it to, to deal with it. My, my relationships were in the were not going well. I wasn't thinking clearly. I was frustrated. I was angry. And the only way I knew how to escape it was through, through addiction. 
when I was able to really learn how to overcome my limiting beliefs, which was through that epiphany that I had with my father at the time, knowing that I had to come up with something to address this for myself, that when I was able to develop a routine through, through habit, through discipline and consistency, this is what changed my life. So if, you know, when people hear that word discipline, it's like, oh, you, you know, you're going to scold me. You're going to hurt me. You know, it was just that something I knew that I had to do something that I didn't want to do at the time that I knew that it was going to be hard to be consistent at. But somehow deep down, I knew I had to change. I had if I was going to be be different, to become different, to to do different and then have different and better results. I had to I had to be first something that I was not being. And the only way to do that was to, to incorporate discipline meaning that you do it even though you don't want to do it. And then as long as you, you're doing it and you're consistent, it's going to change things over time. And it changed my whole thought pattern and how I process things, how I think, how and how I'm, I was able to be more decisive, to take calculated risks, and, and to uh, take action. So it shifted my mindset from being in a fixed mindset, operating from fear in the past and the future, where limiting beliefs thrive, to being in the present moment from a growth mindset. So being in a growth mindset, it's not easy. It takes practice, but it's something I've been doing every day for 22 plus years, seven days a week, 365 days a year. It's, there's no final destination. It's progress in motion every day. And that's what I, I live in the moment. I trust the process. I control what I can and I maximize it. And I let go of everything else beyond my control. So I'm going to get real specific now, because one of the things that when I had this, I had a very similar journey to you, which is why I was attracted to your book, why I read your book. And I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, parallel paths were fellow travelers, different experiences, fellow travelers. And one of the things that I had to do was in order for me to get up at 3 a.m. and start writing, because my time to write was 3 a.m. till the first child woke up. In order for me to get up to 3 a.m., I built in a little bit of a cushion with that discipline. And that was a hot cup of cocoa. I couldn't have hot cocoa at any other time. But if I got up at 3 a.m. and started writing, and there were times I'd be in front of my computer a good 30, 35 minutes sipping on that cocoa, having no idea how I was going to write the next word, almost having a juvenile fit, if you will, uh, because I was up and I didn't want to be in it. At the same time, I knew I had to write this book. So did you have anything like that that you kind of walked into? Uh, I, I always love hearing this about yeah. writers. Everybody has their gig. Yeah. Well, and you, you're, you're stabbing. I have, I have a writer's block and I'm, and one of the things that that's just me, but what I've learned and I have to do this each and every time I write, it's always that when I'm going to write, I feel like, okay, this is the final copy. So I got to write it just, it's got to be good. I mean, not that I, I've got away from perfectionism. I'm a recovering codependent perfectionist. I know I'm not striving for perfection, but I'm striving for progress and I'm striving for quality. But I have to remind myself to say, okay, this isn't the final cut. This is not the final copy. So I just take a deep breath every time when I feel that coming on. I take a deep breath and I say to myself, just write from here, write from the heart. Whatever comes to mind, put it down. Even if it doesn't make any sense, even if, the, if your grammar is off, which it, it'll definitely will be with me. And it, it, you can always go back and restructure it later. Or there are people that are really good at that let them do it. <laughs> so it was, it's just right. Getting those thoughts on paper, you know, worrying about the flow. Don't even worry. Just letting the, you know, address the flow later and, and making sure that it comes together and make sure that it, you know, it follows a sequence that people can understand. 
I, I have to remind myself that even to this day, I have to go over it, and just, but I have to stop myself because that tendency is to go there to say, okay, I got to think, what, how am I going to write it? And this is the final cut. It's got to be, it's got to flow right now, but my brain doesn't work that way in the beginning. So it has to, it's for me, it's just writing whatever comes to mind, just getting it on paper and then later going back and, and restructuring it in a way that it flows. And I've talked to many authors and some people are like, oh, I never have writer's block. And other people are like, no, I, it's a battle. I sit down and I look at that blank page. And, and so one of the things I like to recommend to people is like, there are times where a song lyric will come into my head or something like that. And it's not a part of the book in any way, shape or form, but I'll be Mary had a little lamb or fleeces white as snow. And it's just crap. You know, it's just stuff you're putting down on the page just to get anything flowing so that the, you hope, you know, the hope is that eventually the good stuff would follow. So talk to us a little bit. Okay. You, you didn't see yourself quote, quote, as an author. Does it help you when you're being in the now and when you're really working to be what you, uh, the person you're becoming? Okay. Uh, does it help you to label? Like I remember the day I really started calling myself an author and how it was so uncomfortable. And I felt I was such a fraud. Uh, and I had five books published. So that was my story about how silly I was. Did you, do you find it helpful to label yourself for your future self? I don't know if that's something that you have ever done. Yeah. I mean, that's something, Janine, I would have definitely done in my, had I not gone through this transformation, no doubt about it. I would have been like, you know, like, yeah, I'm an author, but really deep down, I'm not an author. They only knew that I can't, I'm not a great writer. I think what it was is because I'd been practicing transparency for 22 years. Well, up to that point, it had been, what, what, what has it been now? Maybe 16 years now or whatever it is, you know, 17 years at that point when I wrote my first book that, that I was transparent right from the beginning. I, you know, and, you know, people knew, you know, I just said, Hey, I'm writing a book and I'm, you know, I'm not a great writer. I'm, I'm a speaker. I'm, I'm, you know, I can do, I do radio shows, podcasts. I'm really good on that. I can really articulate you know, that compelling content in a great way, but it didn't matter, you know, cause people said, you got, you know, we want to hear this message, you know, and in some way it's going to come out and I'm sure you'll use resources that will help to make it understandable and relate to others. And that's what I did. I just, I ended up every day reminding myself, I got to share from the heart. I got to share from the heart. I got to share from the heart. And that's what came out. It took a little bit longer than say the average author that, you know, that, that, that that's a good writer, but nonetheless, it paid off because the book really resonated with a lot of people and people bought the book and it went international bestseller, not because of my grammar and my, you know, th that I'm a great, it was because of the, the, the content that connected where, where they are, or whether if it connected to them where they used to be or where they were at that point, that's what it came down to. So it, it, it was always that transparency of always putting it out there that I wasn't hiding anything uh, to anyone at that point when I wrote that book. And even the book I did with Jack, same way. I just, you know, it was transparency, but it, it would have been a lot different, you know, 22 years ago, because I would have been, yeah, it would have been imposter syndrome, like to the max. <laughs> I, I know, right? Because I don't know about, I don't know about you, but I was always told that I was a horrific writer and that I didn't do well in English and all this other stuff. I had a lot of stuff said to me. And what was funny was the people that was actually, that were actually reading my work loved it. And so that's, I, I'd like to talk about that with uh, writers about all the stuff that we're fed that's totally inaccurate to the message because people understand when you start writing from the heart or in my case, like I always wrote from the heart because I didn't know how I, I wasn't trained in any other way except 
to be like you said, authentic. But one of the things I, one of the things that I really liked about your story and everything, and forgive me for bringing up another author, but Billy Crystal in his book, 700 Sundays, I had a very similar experience with reading the inner critic because you both are speakers. Like he goes, I'm not an author. I'm a, I'm, I'm a speaker. I'm an actor. Right. And so when he was retelling his story, the 700 story uh, Sundays represents in there, um, what he used to talk about as far as his family and being raised and his relationship with his father and how he and his his father died early, same thing as you, and he only had 700 Sundays with his dad because his dad worked six days a week. And so when I was reading your book and the stuff I've learned about you, I'm sorry, you know, Billy Crystal, it was like, oh my gosh, I'm having flashbacks to the 700 Sundays. So just wanted to let you know, speakers can be authors. It's just they're very upfront. Hey, if you read this and you're thinking it's the next, next American novel, you will be disappointed <laughs> as I am a speaker. And so I just love that about your book, The Inner Critic. Um, anyhow, talk to us a little bit about uh, how you go about with partnerships. So you were able to work with Jack Canfield and write a book with him. What was it like writing with such an established author? You're established, bringing these two huge networks together and writing a book. What was that all about? It was a great experience because I've, I've always been a big fan of Jack since I was you know young, even when I was going through some troubling times and I would you know occasionally be dabbling in the personal development area. I really I remember chicken soup for the soul. And then, you know, there was, well, success principles wasn't out yet at the time, but there was another book that really, that, that was one of the Jack's books that really flew under the radar. No, it really didn't get much attention, but still to this day, it's one of my top five books, believe it or not, was the power of focus. And I can even remember reading that book even before I went through this transformation and, and how now when I look back after I went through it, how subconsciously there was things that I did pick up in that book that I was starting to do and not even realizing it. And then, then, then all of a sudden back in, you know, 2017, you know, next thing I know it, I'm, I'm being grouped up with Jack Canfield through some, through a mutual contact that, that they really loved, you know, what they, they saw in master your inner critic and the whole thing about mindset around business and lifestyle and how we think differently can create better leaders, how it can create, a peak performance mindset. And they said, you know, we'd love to have you contribute to uh, our next edition of Mastering the Art of Success. And that's just, it just came all full circle. Everything like, you know, it started with the power of focus, really chicken soup for the soul, but then power of focus. And it just came full circle that now someone's recognizing that how how powerful the mindset is and how we think differently can, can play a part in our success. And that I'm here, I am getting a, uh, a chance to play a part in that in Jack's book uh, that featured, you know, you know, uh, insights from different experts. So it was just a wonderful experience. I, I always enjoy being able to have a co-creative moment with other authors in sometimes it is just a chapter. Sometimes it's a full book, but it's always a lot more fun because like I said, you know, writing most oftentimes is a very solitary activity. You know, it's you and that blank uh, page. So we're going to go back to that consistent, consistency thing. So people talk about, okay, discipline and consistency and yada, yada, yada. How do you personally keep from getting bored? Right. I've had people talk about that. They're like, when I hear the word consistency, I hear boring. And this is true for the artistic type. So, dude, help us out. (laughs) Well, I mean, there are some aspects of my daily routine that would be considered boring. But I look at it as just that this is what is most important here. 
So it's like it, it, if, if you're going to, if you're desiring to be healthy and you know, you have to eat differently, you may not like kale. It's not going to be your favorite vegetable, but you just know that if you saute it a different way or add different seasonings, okay, you know, it's good for you so that you're going to eat it and you just find a way to eat it because it's serving a bigger uh, objective or target that's important to you. If that's, if, if your wellness is really important to you, then sometimes we're going to do things that we just are really not top of the list. And, and it's really the consistency. Now, now I could change up those vegetables. Absolutely. And there are sometimes I change up my routine, how, but the things that always stand true are meditation and journaling and making my bed. Not, those have been consistent for 22 years. I might do a different body part when I work out. I may not always walk outside. I may do the treadmill, the Palatine or, or whatever. I mix up different things. So it's not the same thing verbatim, but nonetheless, that routine served a, a bigger purpose and in, in direction of my life. And, and, and so the other areas of my life are not as routine. I, I am spontaneous in some other areas. So it is able to mix it up. So doing certain things, you know, with my wife, like, you know, we just happen to be like, oh, are you doing anything? No, I'm not doing anything. Well, hey, we got about an hour. Let's, let's go for a hike. It wasn't even planned. So we go do it, that type of thing. So, but, but that routine for me was something that I said, no matter, even though it can get boring, it's to keep do it because I know it's serving something even bigger that I'm becoming more to be the example for others and being a resource for others. So that's really what drives, drives me there. Well, and just to, to your point regarding kale, just because, you know, you, you brought it up. I'm a plant biochemist by training. And so one of the things that I found out for me was the problem was uh, I needed to grow my own. Now, I don't have – I didn't have a lot of space, you know. So I was growing kale in pots. And let me tell you something. Growing kale in pots uh, worked out great, and it's a lot better when you grow your own versus buying it at the grocery store. It's softer. It's easier on your digestion, blah, blah, blah. So just wanted to let you know. Maybe yeah. Some people are like, oh, no, I, I would never invest that kind of time <laughs> in that. And I'm like, if you want me to eat kale, I got to grow my own. That's the only way it's going to happen. And I, I had to go to that extreme, right? I had for me, for my jar, walk, my journey, I had to go to that extreme. So anyhow, so that, that's the fun and games of it. But as we uh, move forward in your own journey, and what's what's next? What What is Christopher doing next? Okay. Do you have another book in mind or what, what's cooking for you, dude? Yeah, yeah. There, I mean, I'm due to have another book come out. I have a lot of content, by the way. I mean, not only I, I do have some of my, I mean, ton of content for, for my own. I've, I've done numerous radio shows. So, I, I mean, I have plenty of content from there. So at some point, I'm going to come out with a book. But, you know, because of my schedule, again, it comes down to priorities. I'm either going to have to decide I'm going to carve out time to do the book and get it out there or... I may investigate a ghostwriter, someone that I feel that really understands who I am, my purpose, my values, can relate to me and understand me, that can then be that, that you know, kind of like my, the voice onto paper and be able to do that. I'm exploring some other ways through technology where I can speak and then it writes, use that voice technology that can write. So there, I'm looking at some different things, but at, at some point by the end of the year, I'm looking at having another book out or by beginning of next year. And this is going to be a, a kind of like a, like a, a, not the same thing I did with Master in a Crib, but it's going to carry forward from there and really start talking about the importance of consistency, dis using discipline, developing a success foundation, how to think differently. And so it's going to be not talking about the problems that you read in Master Your Critic, 
but just how this really, really resonates in, in reshaping a company's culture, how people can then do this to you know, really become, uh, own their roles and duties in life and in their careers better, and really create more interdependency in the world, in their families, in the communities and businesses. So that's what the book is going to be aimed at. I don't have a title yet, but uh, I'm going to just, again, explore those different options and make a decision and then just go with it. Well, and one of the things that I love chatting about with busy professionals like yourself, there's there's always that thing where you have somebody interview you, like start booking time. I, I had one executive that I said, look, dude, you always are on time for appointments. If it's an appointment, you're there, but you need that other person. So have them interview you. So that's one option that you have. And then the other fun option is, yeah, when you do that interview kind of style, then you have transcription services that you can then transcribe it and then you're just doing the editing of it. And then always there's people that make a living being the ghostwriters. But for people like myself, uh, one of my fun, fun things that I do is I find a hotel somewhere. I go somewhere very secluded, like out in the middle of Montana, Wyoming, because, you know, I, I'm based in Colorado. So I go way secluded and I sit in a hotel room and I am not allowed to leave until that book and all its raw, <laughs> horrible chapters are done. And so usually that's about five or six days, but I'm getting to a point where I can almost do it in a weekend. So those are just suggestions for our fellow yeah, no, we'll definitely listeners. Yeah, I'll definitely that up. <laughs> These are all these are all different ways that you can go about writing. And what I love about Christopher is he is insanely busy. He's just as busy as I am. And what is amazing is how people just know it's time to write a book. It's almost like you just know it's time to pull the cake out of the oven. It's ready to go. The content is there. You just need to make it happen. So uh, tell us a little bit about how somebody can get a hold of you and how we can get on your newsletter so that we can find out when that book is available. <laughs> Absolutely. Janine. Thank you for letting me share. So the best place to find out and reach out, you know, you can just check out my website at ChristopherSalem.com. One word, feel free to send us an email at Chris at ChristopherSalem.com. Either myself or my assistant will get back to you and we'll get, we'll put you on a, on a mailing list. We don't spam anybody. We provide information about the radio show and some updates, things that are compelling to you. Uh, that's what it's all about. And uh, yeah, it'd be great to connect and uh, share some information and get to know you as well. And I can con totally confirm that he does not spam you, I promise, because I've been on his newsletter list now for almost a full year, and it's not one of those highly aggressive marketing strategies. Chris knows better. He doesn't sell. He shares content, and that's what I love about the guy. So, Chris, thank you so much for being on the show today. Janine, thank you so much for having me on your great show here. It serves such a high purpose to everyone. And this is Janine Bullen with the Writer's Hour Creative Conversations. Definitely stay tuned and support our sponsors. Thank you for listening to the Writer's Hour. To hear more about the creative conversations that Janine Bullen is sharing with her listeners, please visit janinebullen.com forward slash guest. Guest.